Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today, we have Nilixa Devlukia joining us. Um, she's a regulatory payments expert, a diversity advocate, and an international speaker. Now, she's very passionate about looking after the next generation, and she's here to share her journey with us. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, good morning. Um, good morning. So um, could you start with telling us a bit more about your background and how varied your career's been? Absolutely. Um, before I do that, it's my pleasure to be here this morning. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. So my background, well, I'm a lawyer by trade. Mm -hmm. I started off in um, property, real estate. Yeah. And then a good number of years ago, I moved in-house to Barclays Bank Legal Unit. Mm -hmm. I worked across a variety of their different business units, um, mortgages, sales finance, trade finance, commercial lending, and the very last role that I had at Barclays was supporting their payments team. Yeah. And it was like me finding my mojo. I, I became oh, really? an Amazing. absolute payments nerd. Yeah. Um, partly the reason I'm so passionate about payments is it's the most ubiquitous payment services, financial services product anybody's ever going to have. Mm -hmm. It's something we all need to be able to mm -hmm. do easy, seamlessly, and securely. Yeah. Um, so, I was there in Barclays uh, doing my payments role and the opportunity came up to actually move to the regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority. Mm -hmm. And I joined the Financial Conduct Authority, not in a legal role, in a policy role. So that was a change from being a lawyer to being a policy person. Yeah. Um, and I loved it, absolutely loved it, because it gave me the opportunity to actually shape how payments in the UK or even the European Union yeah. are going to work. Yeah. I helped HMT negotiate PSD2. I worked with the FCA and European regulators to transpose PSD2. Wow. I worked with the EBA on a lot of their level two legislation for PSD2. Yeah. Um, and associated with uh, all of that policy work was the fact that within the UK, the CMA had undertaken its investigation into retail financial services and had required the nine largest banks to open up access to their payment account data mm -hmm. under the umbrella of open banking. Mm -hmm. And so you had these parallel tracks of PST2 requiring access to bank account data and the CMA9 requiring access mm. to bank account data. And open banking is actually becoming a global phenomenon. Yeah. It's happening in Australia, Hong Kong, um, Singapore, lots and lots Everywhere, of different places. Yeah. And so the opportunity came along to move to the Open Banking Implementation Entity. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big one for learning, mm -hmm. for keeping abreast of what's next. And so I took the plunge. I set up my own consultancy. Amazing. And thank you very much. And I joined Open Banking as its head of regulatory. Yeah, well done. So that, that's my career journey yeah. to date. And what a great career journey to share, because I think it's so important for people to listen to the different ways people can become, become the people they are today. 
And I love the learning aspect. As everyone who listens to anything that, that I, I talk about, it's all about getting better every day. So Absolutely. I love that. Um, so throughout this journey, um, giving something back um, has become really important to you. I wanted you to share how you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a skill, yeah. and so I like to share the knowledge that I have. And for me, what's really, really important is financial services education. Mm -hmm. It's something that's talked about a lot where um, inclusivity is concerned, understanding of financial services for adults but no one really talks much about it when it comes to the younger generations. Yeah. The future of yeah. financial services in effect, all those users um, yeah. that are going to be bank yeah. customers. And so I look at what my children do and I thought, actually, they learn. They learn about you know what change to get if they have a £10 note in their hand. <laughs> yeah. But actually, they're not going to have a £10 note in their hand. They're going to have one of those mobile phones in their yeah. hand. And so I put together a very short presentation that I take into primary school, so mm -hmm. years five and six, 10 and 11 year olds, to actually talk to them about, about money, about the terminology in financial services, mm -hmm. to help them understand what is the difference between a debit card and a credit card. Mm -hmm. What is an overdraft? Mm. What is credit? The fact is you're not your yeah. money and you have to pay it back. Um, and I've, I've done one of those and for something that was intended to be half an hour it ended up being an hour and 20 minutes because it was an amazingly inquisitive audience they had lots of really good questions oh, didn't they, they did you know they we even got on to foreign exchange no way it amazing. was yeah it was amazing and then I'm doing that you know as the term starts again in September yeah, yeah. to other schools locally yeah. um, and that's my way of giving something back and mm. also it gives me something back yeah. If one of those children makes a decision of something that I might have said, imagine yeah. amazing. Yeah, and that's kind of the point of these podcasts as well, for people to see what everybody else's journey is. And, yeah. it, and I always say to myself, if one, if it makes a difference to just one person, it's all, Absolutely. it's all worth doing. So, what was the actual like light bulb moment? Right, I'm going to get myself into schools. I'm going to start teaching them. I have to take control of this. Oh. I don't think I've ever had a light bulb moment. It's always been there. It's the always, light bulb's no, always been on. It, the light bulb, oh, <laughs> absolutely, of course, the light bulb's always on. Um, yeah. I think it's more of a journey. Yeah. I think it's more, maybe it's experience, it's age, it's, you know, having done something for a long time. Yeah. But I've always been involved in, like, volunteering or charity work. And I actually thought, but what particularly, what mm. particular skill set do I have? Yeah. Um, that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And I think because of every th all the discussions that have been happening around open banking, people understanding open banking, and to me, actually, the journey starts way before then. Yeah. You need to understand a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit mm -hmm. more about financial services, I think, than most people do today. So if you can give that to, to children, school children, exactly. it means that they're starting so much further ahead than, I suppose, we did. Well, that's exactly my thinking. And interestingly, I've already had a discussion yeah. about the fact, well, would you do something for school leavers who are going on to university? Yeah. Because actually they probably face slightly different challenges yeah. of what they're going to have to do when they leave the family home, they're fending for themselves, yeah. opening bank accounts. And we all know the stats. Yeah. You know, whoever moves their bank account, whoever switches, I know that's the aim. Yeah of what open banking is about, what the CMA remedy is about, but practically, 
Yeah. Most people don't move bank accounts. Yeah. So um, a lot of those stats um, were made uh, were made visible to me by a lady called who was also on one of my podcasts, uh, Shannon Sagava of UBS, mm -hmm. and she wrote a white paper on financial independence. Yeah. And actually, uh, millennials are becoming um, more and more financially dependent on someone else, which you'd never expect. Like with the way that we we all assume millennials are taking control, yeah. but actually the stats are showing that we've kind of started to go backwards. So if you're going and speaking to the next generation, that hopefully that can help us propel, propel forward on financial independence. Absolutely, and it, I had a really sort of interesting insight. Just it was probably the Jeremy Vine show on the radio. Yeah. And they were talking to children who had been in care. Right. And there was an amazing 18, 20-year-old, I don't know how old this young man was, talking about the challenges he had had in learning how to manage his finances. And he said something that sort of really astonished me, in that I didn't realise you had to pay for water. Yeah, it's crazy. Because we, we live in houses and yeah, taps come just on. just expect it all to work. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, well, actually, that's probably across the board. Mm. You know, you have to pay for utilities. I'm not sure. So all of that is part of budgeting. And budgeting is then part of financial services. Mm. So mm. it's what I always call one of these virtual circles. Yeah. Yeah, virtual circle makes sense. So going back a little bit now to, to your career and, and the different companies you've, you've worked in, we were speaking beforehand about company culture and how yeah. intrinsic you feel that that is. I wondered if you could share some of your thoughts on that. Absolutely, I think for me personally, uh, company culture is paramount in my decision making of where yeah. I would like to work or who I would like to be working with. Yeah. I've worked in some incredibly supportive environments. I've also worked in quite toxic environments as well, having you know been in the, in the working sort of um, treadmill for yeah. a very, very long time. Yeah. And I think now, if I'm thinking about where to work, who to work with, I would be very, very inquisitive about company culture. Yeah. It's very easy for companies to have policies. It's very easy for companies to say, oh, you know, this is what we do. But actually, is that what they do? Mm. And is it who you are? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's so there's the, there's the corporate level, mm. then there's the sort of people you work with on a daily basis, mm. and I think that as women, we are often challenged in being heard, in being taken seriously. Um, you know, I'm quite petite. I think <laughs> that in itself is a challenge in being taken <laughs> yeah. quite seriously, and I think. I've come to notice over time that there are lots of little ways in which you can be undermined. Sometimes I think it's not even deliberate by other people, it's just the way they interact and they are not conscious mm. of how they might be behaving. Mm. Um, and a prime example of that, and something that only occurred to me recently, is that we've all been in meetings where we've been spoken over. Yep. But actually, I've suddenly become aware that you can be spoken over on email. Oh, yeah. I've, I've learned this too. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, you know, I've been in the workplace for a very long time. And that only hit me not that long ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. And so 
once you become aware of that sort of activity, the next step, obviously, is how to address it. Mm. Because if you let it continue, it continues to undermine your position. Mm. But actually, addressing it is always, for most people, I think, quite a brave step. Yeah. Because it's very easy to be viewed as the troublemaker or the one who's always moaning or whinging or complaining. And I don't think that's intended by anybody who mm. ever stands up and says, actually, this is wrong, this doesn't work. Mm. And it's not about it just doesn't work for me. This doesn't work and it's not fair because this is the result of this action or activity. Yeah, I think, I think that's the, the key point, isn't it? Being able to say this is the result of that action, this is the result of that activity. Because I think we, we can all put our hands up and say we felt that. Uh, am I moaning because I'm, I'm standing up for this? Uh, am I the troublemaker? Because um, you can often feel quite isolated in, yeah. in a company culture, especially if you know, we are going to talk about um, minorities in, in the numbers, you know, and say, Absolutely. well, you know, it, with, within our industry, there are less females. So if we're going to look at something um, from a different perspective, which we probably will do, um, it's easy to to think how do I how do I best handle this situation so I think it's good that you're talking about it and sharing that uh, anyone listening they're not alone um, but it's the how I think is the key and I think absolutely the how and I think the comment you made they're not alone I think for anybody listening to this I would say don't second guess yourself if mm. you are of the view that something is not right or if you have a feeling that something is not right trust that instinct mm. Mm. Yeah. It's very hard to try and justify bad behaviour. Sorry, it's very easy to mm. try and justify mm. bad behaviour because yeah. you're second-guessing yourself. And yeah. I have confidence in your own view of how you are being treated. Yeah. yeah. Would you give any advice on, on how you deal with a situation like that? Like perhaps from, from your background, what's the things that have worked? Um, so I suppose the starting point is always to go to my go-to people and say, this has happened, what do you think? Yeah. You know, am, am I, I mean, I've done it. Am mm. I being oversensitive? Am I, yeah. am I sort of, you know, bigging it up? Um, and I have to say pretty much every time the answer to that will be no. Yeah. Trust your instinct. It will be right. Mm. Um, the next stage would be to, to raise it with whoever is your line manager, mm. your immediate boss. Yeah. Um, and then it will depend then I think it's very telling as to what company culture is, as to how it gets handled after that. Mm. You know, is it taken seriously? Is it addressed? Or are you met with a, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I don't think it was intended <laughs> sort of <laughs> <Yes>. response. <laughs> See how I just laughed out loud on that because I've heard that before. Yeah. Sure. Um, so there's some other dynamics um, in the workplace that um, you, you wanted to talk about, hierarchy and positioning yourself properly. Yeah, I think that's very important. Mm. Um, I think I've, I've sort of come to this very late in the day. Yeah. Because I was pretty much of the opinion of if you work hard, you will be recognised. And yes, if you work hard, you will be recognised, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get the promotion or no. the next job that you're interested in. And so I think that everybody should take time out to actually look at the hierarchy in their organisation. Mm. Actually, who makes decisions? 
where, which are the committees in which decisions are made mm -hmm. and don't take it for granted that just, be, just because you're doing a certain role or you have a certain job title that you'll be in the room yeah. making those decisions. And so I would say for anybody who's actually thinking about their next career move, ask those questions. Mm. Where in this hierarchy, you might have given me a title, you know, you might have given me a lovely role profile. Where in this hierarchy do I sit? Mm. Who do I report to? And how many rungs up or down the chain is that before yeah. you get to the very top? Yeah. Who reports to me? Which are the decision-making committees? And which one of those am I going to be sitting in? Yeah. I think that's such a key point because um, obviously uh, Harrington Star, with our recruitment experience, we mm. speak all day, every day to people about their job titles. And you'd be surprised how important a job title is to somebody. Uh, and most of the time we're saying, whoa, 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 you could be called the CTO in this company, but you're the only person in technology compared yeah. to being the senior developer in that one, but you're looking after 10 people. Exactly. And actually it's about really understanding what somebody wants. But even in, in today's society, we've still got a large percentage of people that put so much weight on that title rather than what actually it, it, I think, uh, it does. Yeah, and, and, I, and I can sort of understand why. Mm. Because if you're, once you're looking for your next role, you know, it's almost like that salary mm. of, I've had the salary, so my next role has to pay more, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I've had the title, so my next role hopefully will, mm. you know, have a better title. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm really poor at titles. I'm not yeah. interested in titles. Mm. But I have come to realise and I think it's more since I've set up my own consultancy. So I'm seeing more of how a wider range of businesses operate. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it's, it's sort of started to dawn on me as to, well, well the value or importance of titles, but also mm. the emptiness of titles. Yeah, and I think, I think that's so true because you have set up your, your own consultancy now that yeah. you can see the emptiness as well. So um, you wanted to talk a little bit about how you position yourself properly to, to be included. Have you got any, um, any, any hints, any tips, any bits of advice you could give to people listening on that? I have two words. Speak up. Nice. Yeah. You are not going to be included yeah. unless you have a voice, yeah. unless you are prepared to say what you think. Yeah. You're prepared to put your head above the parapet yeah. and say, this is me, and you're prepared to contribute. Yeah, yeah. So we all must must agree, uh, having listened to this, that we will speak up, we'll have a voice, we'll, we'll at least have the discussion yeah. and, and see where it takes us. So what do you think is the future for diversity and inclusion um, within the industry? I think that it's got a long way to go before it's a reality. Yeah. There are lots of great initiatives now. Mm. At least it's very much high on the agenda mm, it is, yeah. of large organisations, small organisations, government. So it's now got profile. Mm. But I mean, we've had the Sex Discrimination Act for how many years? You know, yeah. it's still stunning that we have to have these conversations. Mm. Mm. So I think there's a long way to go. I actually think that often what's missing is large companies actually putting themselves out there and not only saying that this is our policy but this is what we do mm. um, an example of that is I'm quite passionate about getting female speakers onto a podium yeah 
you know? Me too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We both are. Um, and the reason for that is that you're inspired by what you see. Mm -hmm. You're inspired by what you see in the cinema, what you yeah. see on stage. You want to look out as an audience and think, oh, I can actually relate to all these mm. people. And I've done many sessions where I look out and there's not that many women in the audience. There's not that many minorities in the audience. Um, and so I think that in order to change that, we need to have more people on the platform. Mm. And I know of very, very large companies actually have policies to say that we won't speak unless you have women on your podium. But they don't publicize those policies. Interesting. You know, yeah. why not? Mm. Why not actually, you know, put your money where your mouth is sort of yeah. debate? Yeah, And actually say, this is us. Mm. This is what we believe in. And it would, I think, galvanize that sea change mm. Mm. of you know, how conference organisers behave, yeah. who they contact. I'm always astounded when conference organisers say, oh, well, I, I try really hard. And I'm like, well, you didn't come and ask me. Yeah. Not, not to let you to speak, but even to say, can you recommend somebody? Mm. Mm. You know, who do you know that would fill this role? Who do you know that could sit on this panel? Mm. So I had, I had an interesting conversation um, with... Uh, a lady called Kate um, from Lloyd's who was at a, uh, a conference recently and um, and she was saying that she whenever the, the women in the audience asked a question the mediator said okay that's enough thanks but when the men asked a question they were they were allowed to, to ask yeah. to give their full background the context the full question um, another lady I spoke with uh, Sangeetha from Ingenico Payments she speaks very passionately about the responsibility conferences have um, and yeah. how they should be, exactly what you just said, they should be publicising the fact that there is a, there's a, there's a focus on inclusion here, there is a focus on, on different, uh, different perspectives. Um, but she also um, put her hand up to say that she's noticed that there are lots of conferences that video them um, and they have just the men speaking and the women having the teas and coffees at the side when there were women speakers there as well. Exactly. You know, so, so I agree with you, there's lots of steps forward we've got to, we've got to make. Well, um, it's that whole unconscious bias debate, isn't it? Yeah. Because I yeah. very much doubt that anybody who puts those videos together deliberately No, exactly. did it that way. I mean, gosh. Um, but it is, it's unconscious bias, isn't yeah. it? It's, um, so for, for my last question, what, what's next on the horizon for you, your consultancy, everything that you're doing in the schools? Um, so on the schools work, it's just taking it forward slowly but surely. Mm. It's, it's something that I do as part of giving back, paying it forward. Um, Personally, I'm training for my next half marathon. Oh, congrats. Um, thank you very That's much. amazing. I've got um, such, um, yeah, I, I'm in awe of people who, who are able to run. I am not. Honestly, don't <laughs> be. I, I, I would say to anybody, if I can run, you can run. Yeah. I never thought that I would ever in a million years be saying I can run a half marathon. Well, I think that's, that's amazing. I've just started um, that app, Couch to 5K. That's the one. So yeah, that's the one starting. I did. Yeah. Yeah, go mm. for it. That's the one I did. Yeah, I'll keep you up, updated on that. Yeah, yeah, no, please do. And um, for the consultancy, it's just sharing my knowledge, 
you know, working with the right people yeah. to, to achieve those outcomes that I'm passionate about, yeah. which is financial services that are inclusive and transparent for everybody. Yeah, well, I think that's a great mission. I think it's been a, a great journey to listen to, a great story. And anyone listening, please do get in, in contact with Nelixa. I'll have all her details on the end of this podcast. Um, it's been great for you to be listening. It's been great having you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.